Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you ever get sick and tired of hearing the same thing said to you over and over and over again? Maybe you're a student uh, that goes to, goes to school, maybe high school, elementary school, college. Maybe you're a student and, and you've heard your teacher say to you the same thing over and over and over. And you think to yourself, I get it. I understand. I know what you're saying. Move on, right? When I was in the seminary, one of my professors, one of his favorite phrases to say was, was this phrase, ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, it is a phrase that literally means referring to something that has been done or repeated so often that it has become annoying or tiresome or even literally makes you sick, nauseous. But the ironic thing about this seminary professor was the thing that he said ad nauseum was the phrase ad nauseum. He would always say ad nauseum. And we would think, I don't don't understand, but you get the point. I got sick and tired of him saying this phrase ad nauseum. Now, it's not that we just get sick and tired of hearing the same thing. Sometimes we get sick and tired of saying the same thing. (laughs) Maybe you're the teacher, and as the teacher, you've stressed the point to your students over and over and over again because you know that you need to say it. As a parent, I know that it is true that we often become like broken records, saying the same thing over and over and over again, that sometimes I even get so annoyed with myself and start to feel nauseous about my own necessary repetition. This week, this week as I was preparing this sermon, I realized that I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of writing sermons to preach to you. So... Here ends the sermon. Amen. (laughs) Hey, Chris! Next week, buddy. Next week. Not this week. Not this week. The Spirit has something to say, I guess. All right. Actually, speaking about being uh, tired of things, did you hear why the bike tipped over? It was too tired. No? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't... I don't, I don't, you, you should be glad, you, you don't need to get sick and tired of my bad jokes because I don't often tell dad jokes, uh, but when I do, he usually laughs. You think? Think about it? No? Okay, my question to you today, my question to you today is, does this ever happen to you with the gospel, with the precious good news of Jesus? Do you ever get sick and tired, bored, apathetic, complacent about the precious good news of Jesus? Do you ever get tired of hearing you are forgiven, you are loved, you are chosen, you have hope, you have peace, you have joy, all because of Jesus. You are alive in Christ, not because of anything you have done, but because of his great grace and mercy for you, sinner. Does that ever get old? Do you ever get tired of hearing that good news of Jesus? Let me tell you today, let us never grow tired or sick or weary of hearing this good news of Jesus. Let us be people who desire and are hungry to hear that word of God. 
We have been working our way for the last number of weeks systematically through the book of Acts, and here we are at the end. Paul is in Rome. Paul is in Rome. He had been on trial, if you've been with us, he had been on trial in front of the Roman governor in, that was governor over the, the, the nation of Judea or the region of Judea, modern-day Israel. He had been on trial there, and Paul had, as a Roman citizen, appealed to have his case heard before Caesar, before the emperor. And so Caesar has residence in Rome, and so that is where Paul is bound. And so to get to Rome, he had to take a ship from Caesarea, which is in modern-day Israel, that would be off to the east of this map under that white portion, and he sailed to Rome. It was quite the adventurous trip uh, that we're actually not going to focus on today, but I would encourage you to go home and read it if you haven't read it yet. This would be Acts chapter 27, because it is a, it is a perilous trip that they have, and the last leg of the journey is what you see on the screen. The last leg of their journey began after a shipwreck on the island of Malta, which is just south there of uh, Sicily and south of Italy. And so after that shipwreck on Malta that you can see here, Paul journeyed up to Rome. And so here we are in Rome. While waiting for his case to be heard, Paul is on house arrest in Rome. Roman prisons at this time, they were a bit different than uh, how we view prison in 21st century America. In Rome at this time, prison wasn't, wasn't necessarily like we have it, where prison um, was the form of punishment. Prison was more something of where you went to as you awaited your trial and your sentencing. I'm sure in Rome they actually had... Uh, Far more executions, though, of prisoners than we do in 21st century America. But for Paul's case, his case is actually a, a pretty minor case. And so his arrest is, is essentially a house arrest. Uh, he pays his own rent to stay in a place, uh, but he's got a guard with him. But he's, he's got a lot of flexibility and freedom. Uh, he's, he can have friends come and visit with him and, and all sorts of things. So he's essentially on house arrest. Where we're going to focus today in Acts 28, it's been three days, just three days that Paul has been in Rome. And after three days that he's been in Rome, uh, Jewish leaders and rabbis from the 11 synagogues that were in Rome and the surrounding region, they come to Paul's house, his apartment, uh, to hear about him and, and to hear what he has to say. Because these Jews who are in Rome, they don't know a lot about Paul's case. They don't really know why he's in Rome. We read today, they, they said, uh, the Jews in Jerusalem, they haven't really told us anything about you. They haven't told us why you're here. Do you remember? If you have been with us, the Jews in Jerusalem, they were trying to ambush Paul two different times. They had a plot to secretly kill him. But those Jews in Jerusalem, they didn't send any word to Rome about that. They didn't say, hey, when Paul gets there, you got to ambush him and kill him. The Jews in Rome, it's just a totally different world. It's on the other side of the sea. They don't really know anything. The only thing that they know about Paul and about what he's doing is what is quoted in uh, verse 22, which is, which is this. Paul, we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. What they're talking about when they say this sect, uh, they're talking about uh, the sect of, uh, that's called the way, 
Uh, Christians were, were often referred to as belonging to the way, which was uh, just a name for uh, their gathering, like Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So at this time, there were other sects of Judaism. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And so these Jews are saying, this sounds like another sect called the way. And all we've heard about the way is that Jews throughout the region speak against it. So all these Jewish leaders come to Paul and they say, hey, Paul, explain yourself why do all the Jews speak against you? So Paul has the opportunity then to speak to them. At this point in history, there's already a Christian contingent of, in, in the city of Rome. There is already a Christian church in Rome. Uh, and actually, there already has been for quite a few years. It was already three years before this that Paul had sent the letter, uh, Romans, to the church at Rome. So the next book in the Bible after Acts is, the, is Romans. So it was three years prior to Paul's imprisonment where he sent a letter to Rome. He had never been to Rome, but he had heard there was a church there and they were having issues, so he sent a letter to them. And just a little side note here, um, do you know who delivered the letter uh, to the city of Rome on behalf of Paul? It was a woman by the name of Phoebe, like my youngest daughter. Uh, she was a servant in the gospel with Paul from the city of Ephesus, or worked with him in Ephesus, and he entrusted her with that letter to bring it to the Roman church. So there's been a Roman Christian church for a number of years, but up until this point in history, those Christian people haven't really had any larger impact on the Jewish population in Rome. So the Jewish leaders come to Paul on this third day that he's there, and they say, hey, Paul, we want to hear from you. And so Paul spends all day, it says, from morning until evening, he expounded to them the Old Testament. It says he spent time talking about the law of Moses and the prophets and showing them how the hope of the Old Testament has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who died and who rose from the dead. This is the same thing Paul has done time after time in city after city, in synagogue after synagogue, showing how the Old Testament pointed to Jesus and how Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets in his death and finally in his resurrection. And so Paul speaks to them all day long. And then after this, it says that some of the Jewish leaders believed Paul. Some of them didn't believe. So at the end of this night, they're leaving. Some in belief, some in disbelief. And Paul leaves them with one parting word. One parting word. And it's a parting word from the prophet Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before. But Isaiah was called to bring a word to the Jewish leaders at that time who were hard-hearted and didn't want to hear about God's plan of salvation. These words of Isaiah, which I'm going to read for you in just a minute, were also quoted by Jesus multiple times to hard-hearted people who didn't want to hear about God's plan of salvation. So Paul, one more time, appropriately and accurately uses these words of Isaiah to speak to Jewish people as a warning to them not to be like their fathers, not to be hard-hearted and miss God's plan of salvation. Here are those words of Isaiah that Paul concludes the night with. He says this, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes or they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, 
and turn and I would heal them. This is the final word that Paul speaks to these people before they depart for the night. And it's really the last word that we have from Paul in the whole book of Acts as Luke records it for us. Why this message? Why would Paul conclude with this message? It's a word of reminder and a word of warning to those Jews on that night as they leave, but also to all readers of the book of Acts. That after we've heard of the good news of Jesus, that we ought to be people who have humble hearts and open ears and open eyes to see the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and to receive it willingly. That we would have lips then to also speak that good news of Jesus and that we would never grow tired or sick of hearing the good news of Jesus. That we would always be hungry and desiring to hear that word, that sweet word of salvation once and again. You know, sometimes we hear the same thing over and over again, ad nauseum, right? To become annoyed or even sick at hearing the same thing. Sometimes we hear the same thing over and over and over again, that that we just kind of tune it out. That we, we, we just tune it out. We get tired of hearing it. Uh, we get bored seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Unless you're like my kids who can watch the same movie on repeat and just not even notice that it's cycling through, right? But you and I often, we get, we get bored of, of hearing and doing and saying the same thing over and over again. As I said before, does this ever happen to you with the sweet and precious gospel, the good news of Jesus? Does it ever get old? Do you ever get tired of hearing you are forgiven? You are loved. You are chosen. You have hope. You have peace. You have joy. All because of Jesus. You are alive in Christ, not because of anything you have done, but because of all that he has done in his grace and his mercy for you, sinner. Does that ever get old? This is often one of the arguments I hear from people who, who kind of make the case for why they don't go to church very often. They say, I already know the answer. I, I know it. I, I, I've heard it before, right? I, I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me. He rose for me. I'm forgiven. Good deal. Why do I need to go to a place and have somebody tell me that again and again? What's the big deal? You're here. Maybe you could answer it for them, right? Why do you come here on a weekly basis? I pray to God that it's not to be entertained. I gave you my best entertainment today. I gave you my best jokes and hardly any of you laughed. You're still thinking about that dad joke thing, right? Here it is. I don't tell dad jokes often, but when I do, he usually laughs. Right? My dad, I don't, see, you're still not getting it, right? All right, so don't come here to be entertained by me. I pray that you don't come here just simply for the good company. I pray that you come here to hear with your own ears that sweet message of salvation, that you are forgiven and loved once again. And I hope you never grow tired or weary of hearing that good news of salvation because it's a message you and I need to hear over and over and over again. 
We believe that when the word of God is spoken, when that word of salvation and forgiveness is spoken, that something actually happens. When, when you hear me speak on behalf of Christ and, and, and I say to you, you are forgiven, something actually happens. Forgiveness actually comes to you because the word of God is alive and active. When you come to this place and you, and you see the scriptures being lived out among your brothers and sisters in Christ, things actually happen. The scriptures become real. When you come to the altar today and eat bread and drink wine, it is the very body and blood of Jesus Christ for you, for your forgiveness. And when you eat and drink that, something actually happens. God comes for you in this blessed sacrament for your forgiveness. Things happen when you hear and when you see and when you, when you eat. The same is true for those of you who are married. Think about it. When you made your marriage vows to one another, I pray that you were not thinking to yourself, wow, this is going to get sick and tiring very soon to just do the same thing and say the same thing over and over and over again. I pray that that was not in your wedding vows. (laughs) And I pray that you never get sick and tired of speaking to your spouse, I love you. And I pray that you never get sick and tired of hearing it spoken I love you. Think about it like this. Just saying those words, I love you, doesn't do anything to make your marriage vows any any greater. The marriage vows are still intact, right? Whether you say I love you or not, but when you say I love you, they become real. They're lived out. You actually live in love when you speak love and when you receive love. The same is true with the word of God. Jesus died for you. Yes, he forgave you. Yes, he did it. It is done. It is finished. But when you hear once and again with your own ears and see with your eyes and taste with your lips and receive with your heart, the Spirit does something in you and the Word of God is at work. You actually live in his love when you receive it and when you speak it. So let me just say again, let us never grow sick and tired of hearing the Word of God, of gathering together in God's house to receive his good news for us even though it may sound like we do the same thing over and over and over again, day after day. Here is what the author of Hebrews says. Let us consider, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is the day of the return of Jesus Christ. Paul finished up that night speaking to the Jewish leaders. This was his first, his third day in Rome. He's a prisoner. The Jewish leaders, just imagine this, 11 synagogues of leaders gathered there in his apartment to hear a prisoner speak. And at the end of the night, some of them left believing. Imagine that. Imagine the impact that had when they went to their synagogues and now started proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Now, some of them left disbelieving as well. But the interesting thing here, at the end of the book of Acts, the crazy part is this is not the end. Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, he was a first-hand eyewitness. Uh, Luke was actually on the ship with Paul on the way to Rome, and he's with him in Rome. Luke sees all this. And so Luke ends the book of Acts with kind of an open ending. It's like the end of one of those movies that I don't really like the ending, where they don't resolve it for you, you know, and it just, you know, goes off into the distance. It's like that. It's an open ending. 
But Luke writes it in such a way as to have you think about it like this, to say what you just heard, what you just saw, continued happening for the next two years as Paul was in prison in Rome. Day after day, people would come to him and hear the good news of Jesus. Imagine the impact that had on the city of Rome and so on throughout the world after that. So as we've been reading through Acts, you'd almost imagine it would seem as though, and if I were writing the book, uh, it would seem as though it was going to the point to end with the execution of Paul in the city of Rome. Now a little historical spoiler alert, Paul will be executed in the city of Rome. Just not yet. But here's how the book of Acts ends, just like, just like that. Things continued on. But Paul will eventually be released from prison, and he will continue to go throughout the known world and proclaim the good news of Jesus. So when we gather back here next week, we're going to finish up this series in Acts. And we're going to summarize some of the things that we've learned in reading through the book of Acts. And we'll also take a look at some of the historical things that happened to Paul after his release from Roman prison before he ended up finally being executed in Rome. I pray that you come back for the conclusion of that series or this series next week. Go in God's grace and his peace. Never grow tired of hearing that sweet news of salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.